Hey y'all, this is Mel Offlerbach, and you're listening to Season 3 of Green Juice and Tequila. Well, hello y'all. This is Mel Offlerbach, and you're listening to another episode of Green Juice and Tequila. I am actually like super pumped and excited to have my dear friend and creative artist on this episode, Miss Amy Spear, and she's with Covet Hats, which is an amazing hat company based here in Austin, Texas. Amy, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me, Mel. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm like so excited to have you on too and to hear your story. And like, you're just such a, just such a creative and I mean, your work is so beautifully done. So goodness, I can't wait for um, y'all to share your story a little bit more and how you got to where you are. But, um, First and foremost, I just wanted to tell people like how, you know, I think as women, as we all come together, you guys, and I know that people have already sensed and felt that in many episodes of this podcast, but we all have a pretty miraculous story. And I think, you know, we all can come across as this like beautiful, put together, um, successful business, but we all have a journey and a story of how we got to that business. And so I just think it's just awesome to just have you on here to be able to share that with others and inspire other women too. So well, I would love to do that. Yay. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and just start off with like, what, how did you, what was your direction and creativity, um, really inspired by to create your hat company? Well, it started from my passion of wearing hats and, um, when I was 25, I lived in New York City for only a year, and I lived right on the Soho Lower East Side cusp where um, I would walk through so- Soho every day and pass this millinery shop, um, and I just admired all these beautiful hats in the window. I, I truly just was drawn to them and had never invested in a fine hat before, and I walked in and um, got to know the milliner. Uh, her name was Lisa Schaub. And um, just truly fell in love with the craftsmanship and just the delicate, ornate um, pieces that she had in there and started investing and collecting hats at that point. And um, still to this day, obviously, (laughs) I'm still wearing hats. So that was kind of my jump. I mean, I had worn hats prior to that, but I never truly started to invest in fine headwear. Um, So that was my start at 25. And then here I am, almost 44 40, wait, 44, yeah, darn it. <laughs> you, 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 told, you don't count anymore after you hit a certain age. I know, like, I'm like, how old I'm am sorry. I? I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that. So, like, I mean, you, designing and creating hats at such a, you know, I feel like there's not a lot of businesses out there, at least that I've heard of, that specialize in that custom piece. Like, your hats are so beautifully done. And the ones that I've seen through your Instagram and through your website are just having my, seeing my friends wear them. Like, where do you get all of these ideas of what to put on to the hats? Well, when I, most of my work is custom. And when I make an appointment with a client, they come in, I truly, my goal is to create something that tells their story, that represents who they are, that is kind of an additional level of self-expression. So when they put it on their head, they just feel like more complete, more like themselves, more comfortable. And so I like to ask them, you know, if your hat had a personality, describe your hat. 
Um, is there something, you know, a mantra that you like to live your life by? Is, um, is there something that you'd like to include on the hat that's like maybe a family heirloom or a piece of your grandmother's antique jewelry that's just sitting in a box, you know, is, you know, is there a phrase you want etched onto the hat is, you know, so we, we kind of go through the scope of things that you can add to make it more customized and more personal. And then from there, things start to evolve and I put my spin on it and, and it's like a back and forth and a true collaboration. So I think that's how we get there. Girl, I mean, some of those hats, like I was, Amy and I were chatting before we started recording this episode, just like some of the etching that you do on these hats with like, you know, burnt pieces and, and, and like, I just would be so scared to not have like to, to go in and, and sketch something out of an element that's not a paintbrush or, you know, I just, so like What's your background in art and being able to have that type of quality and that um, characteristic to be able to offer something like that on a hat? Well, I'm so I was I've been, been a creative my whole life, um, always doodling and sketching when I was a kid, and um, I truly wanted to be an artist. And my parents, going into college, they you know try to basically changed my mind, which they were very successful in doing so. <laughs> and the, the compromise, and they didn't want me to be a star, starving artist, like knowing kind of what that world looks like, especially starting out as a young person. And I had to take out student loans to get through school. And, you know, you can't really pay those back on an artist salary. <laughs> so um, the compromise was um, advertising and marketing, which has an element of the creative process, you know, with, you know, becoming an art director and that sort of thing. And then I because of my passion in art, I still kind of um, took almost a full schedule of art classes as well, including studio art and drawing and sculpture and uh, multimedia classes and stuff like that. So I did that all through college. I love that. And I, I love hearing the part of that story that you're like, I had to pay for school myself. I had, you know, I had to get done in four years because this was on my dime, on my wallet. And I, you know, wanted to get done as quickly as I possibly could and be successful at it. I think there, there's a common denominator with a lot of women own and operated businesses, especially when they build it up from nothing, that they have that drive um, and that, that desire for success and to, to end completion, which I think is a really huge quality to have as a business owner. So um, I just think it's always just so funny to, to listen to everyone's stories and to, to, to be able to compare that common denominator amongst women. Just We have a lot of driven women in the city of Austin, and I'm just very, very impressed by all of that. So you graduated from college. You were from Seattle, right? That's where you grew up, was in right, Washington, right. which right. I love Washington. Do you go back there often and I visit? Do. You know, it's funny because, and I'll tell you a bit about this later. But I, um, I, I love to travel. But I've I've been working so hard in my professional life that when I travel, I like to go places I've never been versus going somewhere that I'm very familiar with. And you know, when it when you only have a few weeks a year to to go explore, I tend to not go home and go to like a new country or experience something new. So yeah, I mean, I, I have been back, but I really haven't been back a lot. 
Um, and my folks, I have three daughters and my folks um, have a second home in Austin. So being that they're able to be here and close to the grandkids several months out throughout the year, it, it, you know, that helps as far as like letting them see the kids, you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So you moved from Seattle to Austin and you decided to open up a storefront with your sister and what, what was the art, like the offerings of that storefront that you, like what compelled you guys to want to do that? So my sister and I, um, have always been, you know, average size women, very athletic, um, very kind of like muscular lower body and, um, a huge fan of denim. And, um, you know, we, we were in our late twenties and we were sick of going into boutiques and having like two, two size zeros, one size two, one size six, one size eight and nothing else, you know? And it was like, and like skinny jeans were just coming out. And I was like, skinny jeans, like who fits in skinny jeans? These like, (laughs) I want boot cuts and, you know, flares and that sort of thing, wide legs. Um, and so Lori came up with the idea. My sister is a year and four days older than me. So we were like almost truly Irish twins growing up. We're very close. And she had the idea, you know, why isn't there a place where women can go of any size, you know, of any structure, like tall, short, you know, curvy, whatever it is, and feel comfortable and have an offering that is truly, you know, representative of most of the women in Austin and not just, you know, somebody very thin. And so I was super excited about that idea. And originally she was like, yeah, and you can come work for me. And I'm like, slow your roll. (laughs) No, I don't think working for you is going to work out for me. So she's like, okay, we can be partners. I'm like, okay, I like the sound of that. I can do that. We can work together as partners. So we went in the store 50 50 and, um, honestly had no experience at all in we, I, we had had retail experience in at stores. Like we had being from Seattle, we had both worked for Nordstrom and my sister spent time working for Saks and stuff like that, um, through college and then the summers and, um, had like a pretty firm background of the retail side of things. But of course, never been an entrepreneur, did not know the first thing about running a denim bar. <laughs> and, um, we basically just took a huge chance and, um, asked some friends and family to help us with an original or, you know, initial investment. And, um, thankfully my mother was supportive of our goals and our dreams and helped us. I think she loaned us $30,000 and we promised her it would be a contractual loan with a 5% interest rate, you know, and, and we were just so lucky Mel that yeah. getting the ground running, we both, we both had second jobs. We didn't pay ourselves for a year. We worked, like, we didn't have children, you know, so we were literally working, like, seven days a week for a year. Oh, my gosh. Working our asses off, you know. And uh, we just, with the grace of the community of Austin and and truly, like, kind of hitting the denim um, trend while it was such a huge popular thing and I think offering these women in Austin something that they had never been offered before and for people to be able to come in and feel comfortable and we had an in-store tailor that would customize the fits and you know they would walk out zippity doodying out the door feeling so wonderful and empowered and sexy and it just made our job so fun but we were lucky enough to you know be in the black in the first year and just and, and this was 
like, yeah, we were just, and we were so lucky. I mean, the premium denim industry at that time was just on fire. So we truly just timing was perfect for us to go into this business. And we did it for 10 years. It was an amazing ride. That is so incredible. And what was it like working with your sister? Like, how was that having a partner as someone who is your family? And how was the dynamic with that? You know, it was honestly and truly like the best 10 years of my life, having that time with her and like seeing her every day. Like what a joy, right? But I have to say in the beginning, you know, I I feel like I learned a lot about um, business roles and becoming an entrepreneur and people truly finding their roles and what they're good at and letting them not, not like stepping over each other's toes. So I think like within the first year and a half, we kind of were able to identify like, these are your strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are your strengths. This is my weakness. Let's kind of like run with what we're good at. And we like really identified what I was going to do and what she was going to do. And from that point on, things were super smooth. But in the beginning, you're kind of figuring that out and what your roles are and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, after that, we were great. And it was, it was wonderful because we were able to play good cop, bad cop in certain roles, (laughs) you know, or she'd be like, Amy, it's your turn now. Like you be the bad cop and I'll be the good cop. Up, you know, and so we were able to navigate through negotiating, negotiating contracts with new vendors and, um, you know, things like that. So dealing with certain clients that maybe were better suited for her versus me and that sort of thing. Well, so. I think that's like, I think that's such a good rule of thumb with any type of partnership that you go into, into a business with someone is identifying your strengths and knowing what you're really good at and knowing maybe the areas that you're not so good at and having right. someone compliment those to have a successful business. Cause 10 years, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, the lifespan of a brick and mortar business is five years. So the fact that you guys came out and doubled that and you worked alongside with someone who obviously you worked really, really well with and had success. Well, when you guys closed your business, um, how was that for you? Was that like, were you guys ready to move on or like what helped make that decision? Lori actually left, I think it was a year and a half before I ended up closing the store. And it was based on children. Lori, um, Lori is an incredible mother and she's been blessed with two incredible kids. She has a little boy named Jagger and a little girl named Devin. And it just got to be too much, you know, um, brick and mortar businesses require you to be there to be successful. And even if you hire managers and have a wonderful sales staff business just is not as good when you're not there and it's late nights it's weekends it's holidays it's you know so those sorts of things like I think for like having a family and like having young children it's a very hard struggle to to just have balance in your life so she kind of bowed out um a year and a half before I did. And then, um, by the time I had my third daughter, I was, I was over it too. I, um, it was an amazing journey, but, um, again, with my passion for travel and, um, seeing the world, you just, you can't leave when you have that type of a business. So, um, yeah, I was ready. It was, again, it was, I, I truly feel like Lori and I grew up together you know, through this business, like we got a business degree, um, learn like life lessons about ourselves, about each other. And like, truly we'll share that time together. Like I said, forever. So, um, it was amazing. I love that. I have, I have four sisters. So, and I've gone into some little businesses here and there with them over the years. And I, I agree with you on that. You like, you cherish working. There's no one 
no one like your sister who knows you and knows your highs and lows, knows your body language. I can only imagine that that was such a special time for you guys to be able to build, build such a successful business together and both be able to come out in such a positive way and go on to your next endeavor. What are like, if, what are some tips and tools that you could possibly give to maybe a woman who wanted to start their own brick and mortar, open up their storefront? Like what are some of the things that you learned through that process that you could share with others? Like step one, do this. And step two, don't do this. Location obviously is huge. So I would recommend like an area, like study the demographics within your city know where your clientele lives and that would be the first step right second step is negotiate really wonderful terms with a lease or or if you're buying real estate like really make sure that it's something that you've built into your business plan um i think that a lot of people going into a brick and mortar business put honestly too much money into the build out when really it's not about that you can put you can do things that like make the customer experience better. And that's what I would invest in. Don't invest in getting the the biggest and best millwork done. And like, you know, Venetian plaster on the walls, like people can see past that. And those are things you can add when you're in the black and you're, you have the money to reinvest back into that kind of thing. But if you're leasing your space, you don't even own it to begin with. Right. Yes. So, um, I would say that I would say, be, um, you know, kind of bootstrap about your marketing strategy. Um, you know, again, know your clientele and get them to be your biggest marketers, you know, like create an experience that's worth talking about. Um, and yeah, so that's, those would probably be like the initial things I'd probably I love, say. Oh, I love that. I think those are amazing to like that's a great piece of direction when you're starting something. Cause I think people, especially as women and please agree or disagree with this, but I feel like as women, we, when we have an idea or we want to start something, we put all of these things in place, but they have to be so perfect before we like release it out into the world. And that sometimes I feel like you just have to like rip the bandit off and just throw it out there and yeah. test the market. And even if it's a minimal based product, get it out there and see what happens before you invest right. all this time, energy and money into something that, you know, what if it's, you know, there's always the risk of what if it fails or what if it, you know, doesn't do right. well. So, and you certainly have to be willing to fail, you know, absolutely. But you can't, you can't get anywhere unless you take that risk. So, you know, it's the first step is taking a, t- a chance, you know, absolutely. And so you, you got, you guys sold your business or are bowed out of the, of the premium denim business. And now you're creating these amazing hats. Like, um, how did you learn the skill of creating custom hats? Cause that is like something you can't just pick up at like a design school or workshop or something. Well, I started it honestly. So after the store closed, I moved from, Clarksville and um, like the deep eddy area of, of Terrytown to Barton Creek. And I was out in the suburbs and not working for the first time in my life since I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. And I had this newborn baby, which was so precious, um, you know, and I uh, loved my time with her but I realized like my identity is and my passion lies within me working you know it's just who I am and I love 
that part of myself. Um, and it gives me purpose in, in a different way than being a mother gives me purpose, but I know that I need it. And so I felt very lost, honestly. Um, there's only so much in interior decorating and laundry and, yeah. you know, caring for my baby I could do and where I realized like, you know, and just leaving, um, you know, town, like I'm a huge runner and like leaving town lake. And so I was going through like a huge adjustment period and kind of like having like a midlife crisis in a way where I was having to do some soul searching and like really thinking about what makes me happy. And it came back to just wanting to be creative and, um, you know, being in the fashion industry, I know like there's a lot of opportunity to be creative. And I attempted, you know, a few side businesses. I wanted to do a cut and sew t-shirt line. And a lot, a lot is lost in translation with manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So learning that lesson, I realized like, I want to make something myself. Like, what can I do that truly I can put my own heart and soul into it and know that it's going to be the level of quality that I expect from something like when it goes into a consumer's hands. And so I, I was on that path of like figuring out what I could do that I could make. And it was weird. It was this aha moment of Scott and I going out to dinner and I put on a hat and I looked in the mirror and I thought, how do you make a hat? I've been collecting them since I was 25 years old. I love them. <laughs> And then I started obsessing over it. I'm like, I got to figure this out. And then I realized it's very hard to figure out how to make a hat. It's a lost art, um, you know, in its prime. It was like a turn of the century thing that lasted, you know, up until like I would say hats were slowly phasing out of mainstream America in the 40s um, and 50s. And um, these uh, pieces of equipment that you need to make a proper, let's say, cowboy hat. Um, you know, they haven't been produced since the turn of the century. So they are very, they're antiques and a very, very coveted and hard to find. And I was able to find a cowboy in Utah that had been burned by an apprentice. Oh, most, most, most gosh. hatters are men and they're very proprietary and they won't share their trade secrets. And it's a very, like, you knock on the door and you get it slammed in your face kind of industry to get involved in. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Especially especially as a woman, like I, there aren't very many women hat makers that are making cowboy hats in America right now. Um, wow. I can name a few and that's it. Um, so with all of that said, I met this gentleman that his business model, and he was 80, I think five or six years old when I met him, he wanted to get back to the trade, but he didn't want to be burned by anybody and, you know, had kind of just like moved on from that. But he came up with, um, this business model where he was, taking antique hatting equipment. He had a machinist and he, an en engineer, and he was able to replicate these machines and make them brand new. And if you invested your money with him and these new pieces of machinery, he would teach you how to use them. And so I flew out to Utah and met with him. And honestly, when I showed up, I didn't know if I was going to be like chopped up into a middle, <laughs> a bunch of little pieces and like thrown into a truck of a car. Like I, oh, it was like so sketchy, like showing up and, this weird area of Salt Lake City and like in this warehouse and anyway it ended up working out but um yeah so I bought my equipment and I thankfully fell in love with it because I've you know been doing it ever since and um and then there was a milliner here in town um, Millie Star is her the name of her company and she makes 
beautiful derby style hats and straw hats. And when I first started out, I didn't realize there was a different a difference between the millinery arts and the and becoming a hat maker. Yeah, um, it has to do with the techniques that you use to make a cowboy hat and refining the material, blocking it on an open crown versus a pre shaped block. And um, it's just a, there, there are different processes involved. So I learned that there were differences in, in those two worlds and um, pursued more of the cowboy hat fedora um, realm of the hat world versus the millinery side of it. Oh, my gosh. That is like so stinking cool. I was like just you telling me the story. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's like one of the first women to create this hat business in a man's world. Like, I love that. And how did you come up with the name of your hat business? Like, what was the inspiration behind that? It was creating, um, like, the name came from just covet. You have to have it. You've got to have it. You know, you covet it. Um, it's for, it's like for your head only. It's just for you. So that's kind of where it came from is just having something that you truly covet that you just can't live without. I love that. And so, and then Amy too, you're also a mom of three kids. And how did you like balance the mom life and starting these two businesses? Um, and you, you, you had gone through a divorce. You've, you got remarried through all of those things. Like that is so much transition for one human being to experience. And then on top of had launched a premium denim business and then now your custom hat business. Like how, where was the life balance between being a mom and finding the time to, to have a creative outlet? You know, it was challenging. Um, when I got my divorce, I had my first two daughters and, um, thankfully I had my business, um, and, was able to fully support myself. Um, and I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to be able to take care of my children. Um, and they were at the store with me. They were, you know, in their baby Bajorans and their little Fred Flintstone things running around. And, you know, (laughs) they were there on the weekends, like playing in boxes from orders that had come in. And you just, you just honestly, as a mom, you just do whatever you have to do to give your kids a sense of normalcy and keep the lights on and do the best you can. I mean, and sometimes your own, like taking care of yourself suffers like sleep. You don't get as much sleep as you wish you probably had. Um, but at the end of the day, like most moms that I know, you just do what you have to do to survive and to get through it. And that's what I did. Absolutely. I love a girl that it just, it just makes me have so much more of appreciation for, I mean, moms themselves are such strong, amazing individuals, but then a mommy entrepreneur is just like a huge pat on the back, like so inspiring. The way that now I'm able to balance having three children, you know, one is a teenager, one is 10 and one is going to be six next month. It's crazy is truly my amazing husband. I, I, I was remarried. Um, and, um, he, literally is the reason I'm able to do what I do. He is the best dad, the best teammate. 
um, you know, cooks and does all the things. <laughs> I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it without him. So, um, truly to have a partner in my life For now sure. makes the world of difference. So I would just like, I just wanted to say Aww. that. And I, your husband is such a sweetheart and I, like I, he's so charismatic and so I can just tell like his essence and energy every time he had even come into the studio to take <laughs> yoga that I'm like, yeah. he's such a confident, caring human being. I'm so happy for you, Amy, that you have such an amazing support system and have this like beautiful family and you're able to do all these things. Cause I think a lot of times women who go through divorce there, it's, there's this huge fear and worry. They're not going to find someone or, you know, that, that I think that's what prohibits them from making that step forward to coming out of a relationship, especially those who are in a marriage that they weren't happy in for a really long time, like 15, right. 20 years. And the idea right. of putting themselves out there and to have another relationship and hoping that it's successful is just such a fear for so many women. I, my, my piece of advice surrounding that is I think truly being ready for it and focusing enough time to heal on yourself and putting yourself in a place where you are just loving on yourself and in a place of, um, just being happy and like where you don't feel like you need someone to make you happy, where they're just going to add to your happiness. And like with, with the whole idea of like when you're truly happy, that's when people are attracted to you, Exactly. you know, so focus on your happiness and they will come. That's my piece of advice. I love that. I'm a full believer in that. I always say whatever energy you project out into the universe, you're going to get it right back. And if you're your best self, you're going to magnetize your best self. So I love that girl. Well, you guys are such a great team and a beautiful family. So it worked well for you, you, my friend. Thank you. Um, I was lucky. Oh, I'm sure he feels the same way about you too. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I always okay. like to play a game on my podcast called 20 Questions. It's just a really great way to get to know you a little bit more and for our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So I'm going to ask you these 20 questions. They're super fun, lighthearted. There's some deep ones in there, but okay. um, we'll just answer them as best as we can. And are you ready to play? I'm ready to play, Mel. Yay. (laughs) Are you a coffee drinker or a black tea drinker? Coffee drinker. Love it. And what kind of workouts do you do? I mostly do spin, running, and cross-training. Well, you look amazing, so it's working for you. Um, What's your favorite food? Um guacamole and queso. That's two things. Ooh. <laughs> like, well, and, and I need the chips too. So yeah, I was like, anything with chips, chips I think. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to do during downtime if you're not making hats and being a mom? I love spending time with girlfriends. I love just like sitting around in someone's backyard and having a drink and just talking. I love That's, that. I, just, I love it. Where's, yeah. where's your um, most favorite place you've ever traveled to? Um, I would say Thailand. Ooh, I've never been to Thailand. Were you, now you when you go. went to Thailand, did you do like a full month there or like how long did you? No, I was a big girl with responsibilities. I couldn't <laughs> be gone that long, but I was there for 10 days. I went with a girlfriend in 2012, one of my friends from college and it was magical. Oh it was gosh. amazing. It's on my bucket yeah. list for sure. Um, what's your biggest fear? I guess something happening to my family. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's. I don't like to think about that. No, I know. I'm always like, <laughs> I don't want to live without them. <laughs> it's always so funny when I ask these, when I ask the women, I'm like, "What's your biggest fear?" They usually go to their kids. They're like, "Oh my!" I'm yeah. like me. I'm thinking like claustrophobia, being stuck in a bathroom, or yeah, a spider. Like a yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your skincare regimen? Because you have beautiful skin. So, like, what do oh, you do to take so care of yourself? Sweet. Well, um, I've been doing masks lately and that's really helped. Um, I kind of went through a post 40 adult acne phase. And so I went to, um, a dermatologist that gave me some acne cream and that helps with, I think some hormonal imbalances. Um, I wash my face at morning and night and I've just been using this um, Australian line called Sand and Sky, and I Ooh. really like it. Ooh. And I just kind of mix masks every other night, and it's doing great things. I mean, it's not helping with like the lifting and the tightening, <laughs> but it's definitely helping with like pore size and keeping things um, acne free. So I'm happy there. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. If you had a bakery, what would you name your bakery? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I've got buns. <laughs> I love that. I've got buns. Would you be a cinnamon bun store? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yet. I have to think I, about it. I love that. What is one of the most memorable moments in your life? Gosh, that's hard, Mel. I'm sorry. Deep ones are in here too. Memorable moments. And it could be a memory even. Yeah, I would probably have to say um, getting married in Belize with Scott and 90 other of our closest friends. Mm. We uh, we stayed in um, Ambergee Key for for a week with adults only, minus our my two kids that were in the wedding. But um, it was so magical. And the whole wedding party and, like, all the guests, we rented this resort. And so it was very intimate, you know, just to have... The only people that were there were there for our wedding. And it was just, I think everyone there would say the same thing. It was just a magical week. I just, I love it. I think about it all the time. I watch our, I watch our wedding video, (laughs) like at least every like quarter I'll put it on. Anyway, I'm such a, yeah, sap, a total love sap. Oh, I love that. That sounds amazing. That It was. So are you an, an ocean girl or a mountain girl? That's hard too, Mel. Um, <laughs> I would say, oh gosh, I don't want to say. I want to be both. Um, you can be both. You can do whatever you want on this podcast. Okay, good. Well, I want to be both. I'll, okay. be, I'll be both. <laughs> I have a lot of, like you, like California, you've got mountains and ocean, and you can love both That's of them. Fair. Um yeah. What's your cher- most cherished possession? Like like a something that I own, like something sentimental. Yes, your most cherished possession. I would say this necklace. I know my husband's probably gonna kill me that I'm not saying my wedding ring, but <laughs> this this necklace was given to me by a girlfriend, and I just I've worn it since like every day since the day she gave it to me, and I think mm-hmm. she gave it to me like I don't know maybe ten years ago or something, I, and I don't take it off. Oh my so gosh, I love that. It's yeah. so beautiful. Thank you. My friend Allison gave it to me. I love it. So beautiful. Okay, sister, if I were to open your bedside table, 
What would I find in there? You would find um, something that vibrates. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You would find hand cream, a book, and a remote control. And a massage, like an actual massage tool. And a real massage tool as well. And a real one. I love that. Um, What is your self-care regimen look like? Um, I, I've been doing intermittent fasting, so I usually get up and I have a a latte and, um, when the kids aren't home because of the coronavirus, uh, take them to get up, take them to school. And then I usually work out early. I'm an eight 30 workout person. And then I shower, get ready for my day. And then I work until the kids are out of school and they do do after school school care. So I'm able to work a full work day. And then, and and then it's all about the after school activities, dinner and the routine of that. So, and And then do do it all over. And do you take like a bath or anything to relax? Like how do you get every single day? I, I take it. I don't, I don't, I shower after my workouts, but every single night, my husband and I shower, I mean, bathe. Oh my gosh. I'm this, I'm like a total bath girl. Like give me a bath bomb, a candle. I'm like relaxing. I listen to Enya when I take a bath. I do too. Do you? I listen to Enya in the morning. I love Enya. My husband makes fun of me. Oh no. Like, especially like if my husband's out of town and I'm like single mom of three kids, I'm like Enya's, Enya's just in the house all day long just to keep things calm. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that about you. What's one thing that people don't know about you? Uh, Maybe that I have a little bit of social anxiety. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. So like, did like, big, think, like big groups make you nervous? Yeah, or? like small, small talk makes me really uncomfortable. So yeah. if I'm in an environment where I don't know a lot of people and I'm walking into a room, I get very anxious for sure. And I don't think a lot of people that know me would ever know that about oh, me. Oh no. Cause you were like such a easy person to talk to. And so that, that definitely comes a surprise, surprise to me a little bit. Do you, um, do you have any tattoos? I don't. No tattoos? No. Don't worry. We'll edit this one out. No, I'm tattoo free. You are? Being an artist, I would think you would, you know, tat up the body. No, I know that I would change my mind and that's why I don't have one because I know I would get something and change my mind or want something else and then that just... And then I would be covered in them. Yep. Thank God for <laughs> so, lasers that can remove them now. There's been a, I've true. got a couple tattoos where I'm like, 18 year old Mel was not thinking right when she got this one. Might have yeah. it removed. Maybe. At least you can now. Exactly. Um, what's your zodiac sign? I'm a Leo. A Leo. Of course you're a Leo. You're beautiful. Um, what's your favorite movie? Oh gosh, my favorite movie. That's hard. I watch a lot of movies. Um, I love The Notebook. I'm such a dork. Girl, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> I love The Notebook. I love Nicholas it. Sparks just... movies get me every time. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. I, know. <laughs> I love it. Me too. 
We, I am so cheesy. We, my, our family during quarantine, we've tried to have family dinners and we've been asking questions, um, playing different games. And one of the games we have to quote from a show or a movie. And I yeah. totally quoted notebook. And I said, if I'm a bird, you're a bird. And they, my husband didn't even know. I'm like, I watch this movie all the time. You have no idea what this is. My like, duh, the notebook. Well and, Ryan, well, and Ryan Gosling might have something to do with it, Mel. Probably so. He like he like blocks all that stuff out and make him watch all those Nicholas Spark chick flick movies. Um, what's your mantra? Um, let's see. My mantra. I would say you're responsible for your own happiness. I love that. That's powerful too, sister. That's a good one. I ask every single guest this last question. Are you green juice or tequila? Can I be a smoothie of both? You can You can absolutely be both. Yes, which might be tasty at Cinco de Mayo. Maybe I should Girl, try it today. I just posted a green juice tequila recipe like two weeks ago and it is is it good it's, what do you put in it kale with tequila <laughs> so, uh, with kale well there's a couple different ones if you want like a green smoothie you could or green juice like a really green one you could do spinach i don't i omit celery i do spinach cucumber i do two limes i do just a smidge of ginger and a quarter of a green apple and that's it. And then I took tequila in it. And I like I like salty, so I salt the rim and I add a little pink Himalayan sea salt on top. Will you send me that recipe? That yes, sounds girl. amazing. It's so good. It makes you feel healthy. <laughs> and you have the best poop afterwards, too. So it's great. It works both Perfect. ends. <laughs> I'll make sure I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe drink that one at home. Yeah. Um, girlfriend, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I am so grateful for our friendship and being able to listen to your journey and your story. I just admire your work and, um, you know, even just listening to your journey on how you got here. It's just very inspiring and I'm just grateful to have you on and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks, Mel. I love you. I I'm love so proud you. of you too. I love your podcast. Thanks, Mama. Well, I want our listeners and viewers to be able to follow you and support you. So what's like your next thing that you're you're doing or offering? And I'll definitely make sure to put your website so people can find you if they want to order a hat, which ladies, I'm going to warn you right now, you're going to ha- want more than one hat. These hats are so beautiful. So like, what's like your next thing that we can follow you or look forward to with your work? I will, I would say my thing is just my Instagram has been huge for me and I'm always doing stories and making announcements and, you know, linking things. If they're, if it's something that has, you know, that I, as, as far as an important announcement, like I would link it in my bio. And so I would say Instagram at Covet Hats is the best place to follow my work and DM me if you have any questions about custom hats or about anything. I'm offering on the website. Um, that's DMing me is the best way to communicate with me. Perfect. So. Well, I'll make sure y'all yeah. to put all of her information onto this podcast episode description. And if you loved this episode, please feel free to leave a review and click and subscribe. We've got um, some amazing episodes coming on this rest of the season. And again, thank you guys so much for listening to Green Juice and Tequila. Mm-hmm.